Rock out of podcasting. Charles McFall coming at you today with more questions. This is Ask Me Anything with Kevin Smith style style storytelling. Say that fast three times. And uh, with Tony Robbins, motivation. You know, I've got some some insights that I come up with. I learn things. I feel that that moment hit. You might even call me the social media preacher sometimes, although I don't do that. I do have friends of mine who said, hey, yo, we'd go to your church if you had one. I even, here's the thing, I even garnered a few official votes for the president of the United States this election cycle. That's right, people. People like me enough that they've known me long enough. I talked to about, let me tell that real quick story. I talked uh, about eight, eight uh, to 10 years ago. I said, you know what? I see the power of social media. And of course, at that point, had I been consistent, I saw myself having a large enough audience and influence to possibly legitimately throw my hat into the ring and, and be the social media power uh, towards running the United States. And I, you know, I talked about running in 2016 and this and that and the other. And so full cycle comes around. You know, some of my friends are like, hey, are you actually going to do what you said you're going to do? I was like, no, because one, politics suck and I hate them. And I don't believe, I truly don't believe that the best person for the job ever gets elected. I believe it's a game and the system is, is a joke. That's a whole nother show. But I was like, no, I don't have the influence that I thought I would have at this point. Yeah, I thought I'd have a larger audience, and I was not steady with it. It's my fault. But no, I'm not going to do it. Well, they didn't like their candidate choices, period. They didn't like any of the choices that were on the ballot they, they were forced to vote for, and they wanted to vote on other topics that were localized to them in their state and in their area. So they wrote me in as president of the United States, and they wrote in uh, Douglas Spencer as my <laughs> running mate. So I can officially say, check that off the bucket list. I have officially been voted for for president of the United States. Thank you very much. That's the Rock Out of Podcast, and good night. <laughs> so that, that's awesome. But hey, 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 this show is not just about me. It is about us, our shared experience, the journey down the road. And that means I need you to be involved. Facebook.com forward slash Rock Out of Podcasting. I'm putting thoughts up there about the election process. I'm putting thoughts up there as they come to me. Recently, there have been kind of ranty, angry stuff because I've been forced and subject to be subjected to stuff that I'd rather be away from. And so I responded by <laughs> typing out a paragraph about it. Uh, you can check that stuff out there. Go to rockgottapodcasting.com and you can leave me a speak pipe message. That is how you can get your voice on the show to talk about uh, anything you want to talk about, to ask questions, to get me going on my story, to feedback on what you're talking about. You can email me, R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com. You can email me your feedback, your your questions, anything that you want. I know you're out there listening. I know you're out there sharing it. And that's the other thing. I need you to share it. I need you to go to iTunes and rate this so more people can find it. Do everything you can to get me out there. Let's run in, what is it, 2020? Yeah, 2020. 2020. Rock God. 2020. <laughs> all right, all right. Enough of the hullabaloo and the fun energy that goes on there. I want to thank you all for listening for sure. And it really is about us. Without you, I can't, and not just the standard podcast, I can't do a show because every podcast has to, has to have listeners. But without you, I have the, I don't have the questions. I don't have the impetus to go off in different directions and tell different stories and learn new things about the universe and myself and how we interact with each other. But ultimately, it's all about the human condition. It's all about the shared experiences and how we can truly interact with each other to change not just the world, but reality as a whole. We can change the world we see and the world we live in just by working together. 
So, Mike, along those lines, what kind of question do we have today? Well, sir, we're going to uh, we're going to pull from a bank of questions we have from your old partner, Mordant. That'd be our Mordant Mon of What a Relief Podcast. Yes, indeed. And uh, here here's what he wants to know this week. I know that you're the rock god of podcasting. I know that you are the man without fear. You're my own personal daredevil. But realistically, what's your worst fear, and how does it affect you? <laughs> are you kidding me, boy? Realistically, you have met me. I am seriously the man without fear. I, you know, that I, I, I can't think of anything that I'm scared of. Uh, I can kill spiders. I can kill Freddy and Jason. Uh, I, I, I have no fear, man. So thanks for the question. I guess that's going to be it for Rock Out of Podcasting this week. Uh, again, facebook.com forward slash Rock Out of Podcasting. I told you, if you give me bad questions, I'm just going to mock it and move on. All right. I'll see you all next time. All right, fine. Mike's forcing me into doing an actual story instead of being an asshole like I was. So, <laughs> no, I, I get this. Uh, I get this more than, uh, from you and from other people. And, and I, I do have, I don't know, I, I really, really, words are important. So to say I have fear is not something that is in me. And I do get from other people who possibly want to be more like me, who possibly wish they didn't have fear i'm not saying Mordant has fear i'm saying just in general that you look at somebody like me and you go oh surely reality says what we see is not always what we get you have to have something in there so i can tell i think i might have told this story before i'll tell a little bit this is a good basis story of course uh growing up i was uh legitimately afraid of everything there actually this story i haven't told there was an adventure with my grandparents and my parents we went somewhere in north carolina where they lived to look out over the mountain valleys which is something my mom always wanted to do and as a kid i thought it would be cool and then we get there and going yeah there's mountains there's trees i don't what i don't get it okay i'm bored um i don't know what was particularly going on this day i was young i had to be between six and eight years old i imagine and we i guess i was acting out i was being whiny i don't know what i was doing but there's this retaining wall right there's a retaining wall between you and and, and falling off the edge of the mountain and i don't know if okay let's let's back this up okay so there are some lessons i've learned from fear and from ridiculous thoughts that i've had in my head and most parents have them and the number one fucked up ridiculous thought you can have in your head as a parent is i look bad because of my kid now if you're a bad parent perhaps you're a bad parent but you won't always look good or bad doesn't matter if you're a good parent i'm a good parent i still had the cops called on me for defects and some asshole thought they were being a superhero and all they did was cause me some some annoyances in my day and then later on in a, a couple weeks later and I'll, I, maybe I'll tell that in a second but you won't always look good or look bad depending you know it's all situational you have to be good or bad as a parent and you can swap back and forth it's not always a set thing so I, but I think that thought of oh my god I look so bad I think this played in here because we were with my grandparents and my grandfather was from what I can remember mostly was stoic 
uh, he always kind of had a stern look on his face. He had a, a hard look at the world. Now that I know him as an adult, he has passed away. He passed away before my, my son was born. But as I got to know him as an independent adult and react, re- relate to him as a, a, a one human being to another as opposed to a grandson and a kid to a grandfather, it, it changed my view of him. I got to understand better the weight that he carried on his shoulders, how he saw the world. Uh, yes, he made his own mistakes, uh, and, and he carried that with him. I mean, it, it, he was a kind of self-aware guy that he knew he made his own mistakes. But in this story, I just can possibly imagine his stoicism, his this <laughs> kind of played into my 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 mother I, I got or my dad. I don't know really who started it, but my mom was always a disciplinarian, so I assume it was her. My grandmother was always the spoiling type of you never hit the kid. Uh, let's buy them anything they want. Let's oh, just give them sugar cereal. Just do you know what? I'm the grandma. Blah blah. And but then after you know almost a week of being there, we get on our nerves, right? Because one, they are older. Two, when you're used to a certain lifestyle of quietness, of running your own life a certain way, any guest will get on your nerves, especially loud kids or, or whatever. So we're at this outlook over this valley and mountains and all this shit in North Carolina. And I don't know. I, I could have been a horrible kid. I don't know what I did. What I remember is my discipline was, instead of like just putting me in the car to be there, for whatever reason, I think it was my father decided to pick me up and set me on this retaining wall. Now, I can, as a rational adult who has kids of his own, I know my parents well enough to know they literally would not intentionally put me in danger. But my mind went to, oh, shit. Now, possibly, you know, I, I was rebelling a little bit, trying to show my ass. I, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember at this age, eight to six years old, I don't remember motivations i do remember looking down from the wall i'm sitting on looking down and all there is is a drop off and freaking the fuck out and crying and crying and i'm terrified i mean i'm just focusing on this thing and i'm not a right you know it's a kid you don't have a rational mind necessarily you're already upset about stuff whatever and i i I am freaking out because all i'm seeing is this drop off on the mountain now I don't know if my dad sat there the whole time and held me. I don't know what the deal was to keep me safe, but I didn't feel safe. And they ultimately did put me in the back of the car, and I calmed down. And that's the kind of thing of of fear is irrational. Fear is, to quote uh, Dune, I believe it is, fear is the mind killer. It really, really, fear is a killer, period. We do so many stupid things out of fear. Look at the 2016 U.S. election cycle. That whole damn thing was full of fear. Never Trump. Never Hillary. Uh, you know, it's not what democracy should be. It's what it is, though. There are riots. There are f- well protests, whatever. There are fucking stupid protests going on after the election. What? Uh, I you know one of these days I'm going to do an election rant show. I might even. Because I have actually talked to him since the 2016 elections. I might even have more than on to have that hard discussion about how politics are broken. Because in the cycle, you, I couldn't do it. I was so angry that people are so stupid that you believe you have to participate in that. Out of fear. You're afraid that... And don't lie to me. Don't even lie to yourself that you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. and it's our, Bullshit. 
Everybody is afraid. They're afraid that when Trump got elected that he would do all these horrible things. They were afraid that when Hillary got elected she'd do all these horrible things. Now, yeah, I can believe that there is a middle ground where people are rational and actually trying to exercise their democratic rights and trying to play in a system that is so fucked they don't even realize how fucked they are. But that's a minority. The majority who actually did do it is out of fear. And that, 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 then you can't see straight. You can't see straight. You can't think straight. You can't be rational. It's fucked up. So that's a, a story of fear that I have. And the messages that my parents gave me. Now, let me let me give this to you. As I went through counseling, I learned about messages. And awareness. See, not enough awareness can bring fear. You know, having a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Having a lot of knowledge is wisdom. And so as I went through counseling, marriage counseling, uh, as I was going through the dark times with my wife, I was taught this system. And I don't know who came up with the system. It's something I've taught to other people. It works. It's a beautiful thing. But I've, I was taught this system to help figure out who I am and why I do what I do. Because at some point when you become self-aware and you're really trying to fix your life, and you're really trying to get your shit in order, you'll understand that you're doing stuff and you have no idea why. You have no idea why. I, the fight I've talked about more than once on this show with my wife, the darkest the darkest of nights that we had, it, it to, the fight that went to 3 in the morning, with, we had we never just turned on. We had turned off lights to go to bed, and then the fight continued at midnight. And at, by 3 in the morning, we're just sitting in the dark, not seeing each other, not anything, just done. But I remember thinking, part of what I was thinking through that fight was, why? Why am I doing this? I just, I want to be heard and I want her to hear me. Or no, that's the same thing. <laughs> I want to, I, I love her. And, I, and I'm asking myself, why am I hurting her? And then I'd get mad. Something would trigger and I'd get mad at what she said and, and just attack again. And But I did have that thought of why. And the next day or, or two days, it's very quickly after that, I had a scheduled counseling appointment already. And I went in and we ta I talked about it. And, that, and of course, I talked about the end of that fight. And if, you have, if you have not heard that episode, the way that fight resolved itself, I'm still married to my wife. It's been 16 years. And that was in the first two or three years of marriage. The way it resolved itself was we burned out all the anger, all the bullshit. We, we were emotionally done with everything that caused us to fight. And we finally had a very quiet, if, if, if this was like X-Men, there'd be a, a shield around us from the world and we'd be in this time bubble of silence going, so what now? And when we asked that question, we both decided that it was worse out there. Even as painful and as horrible as the fights were, it was worse out in the world without each other than it was in the fight. But we wanted to, we absolutely said no more fighting. And yes, we had fights beyond that, but we said we have to do something to make this better. That's how that resolved. So there you go. <laughs> so I went to counseling a few days later and was describing it. And the guy described to me, you know, I'm clenching my fist when I really want to hold my hands out. And we started working on that kind of concept. But here's the system that he taught me. His name was Randy Ketchum. The counseling was Christian Families Today because, yes, I was still tied up in the church then. But it was also something that I could afford because they said if you can't afford to pay, you don't have to pay. Uh, whatever you can pay, please pay. But it was a ministry for them. And that helped me because I was broke as shit. And I wasn't managing my money well at all, but I absolutely needed help. So what Randy taught me was there's three steps. I'm trying to get them straight in my mind as I'm all the stories are floating around. Uh, the first question is, tell me about your earliest memory. 
And it's in the moment of what you're doing. So when he says, tell me about a memory now, and you're, you've come in off a fresh fight, you might remember something painful in your life. Uh, if it's just a calm talk, you might remember the earliest memory you can remember. Like me, I was, my dad was flying me a Superman through the house, you know, because I'm happy, you know, whatever. So it depends on your situation to how you actually answer that question. Tell me about a memory that you can – tell me about something you remember right now. And I've actually helped people through that who are just angry and struggling with something right now. I said, stop. Okay, let's talk about something else. Tell me about one of your earliest memories. But because you're in that state of dealing with something right now, you'll go to the memory that helps you solve this problem. And for me, okay, for me, I don't think I've told this on the show, but I'll tell it really quickly if I have. Uh, there was a moment with my wife uh, when I was trying to build a band, and I told her about this person, and, and she was concerned, and she's like, I don't know. I, I forget what she said. Basically something to the no, to the negative. I, I don't like this. It doesn't feel right. And I went off on her, and I used the words, which is really weird for me because this is not how I spoke ever. You're stealing my joy. You're just trying to take away my happiness, and which was the opposite of the of what she was doing. Later on, uh, and we'll go back to the, the system I learned after the fight. But later on, she and I were at some kind of counseling thing. It, it, it was a group, whatever. And you had to do this process, write down the, an early memory. And that this memory popped in my head. It was, it was shortly after this fight, is you know, a week or two after that particular You're Stealing My Joy fight. And I... I told the story of when I was five, I found, for whatever reason, I was supposed to be in bed, but I got up and I was looking for something on, on this table I had, found $5, which was, you know, massive money to me at the time. Ran out, showed my mom, her immediate reaction was to take it away from me, to say, oh yeah, great, because you owe me money. Stole my happiness. I cried. She thought I was crying over money. She got mad at me because she has issues with money, and she threw the money on the table. Oh, don't lose your precious money. I mean, it was really ugly. It was really bad. So I had that memory, okay? It's a lot more detailed than that, but I've told it on Success Freaks. I've told it on Bear Crawling. I may have even told it here on Rock Out of Podcasting. So I'm just shortening it. And if I haven't, feel free to email me, and I will tell you the whole thing, or I'll tell it on the show. So, oh, well, somebody asked me to tell it. I'd love to do a mailbag day, Mike, at some point. I'd love to have enough emails of, of questions where people are following up or asking specific things where I can just answer the question with a story and then hit three, four, five different people. That would be awesome. So you guys have to get on that. You guys have to start emailing me to get that to happen. So that would be, be a really fun show to do. So I wrote down that memory. And then the second step, and, and I wrote, and be, de- be as detailed as possible. That's the whole idea. Really remember everything you can remember about it. Be as detailed as possible. And I, I can. I could spend 20 minutes talking about that memory and how I felt. Because that's the next question. How do you feel in the memory? How do you feel right now in the, thinking about that memory? And you really just stop. And you, you talk about, well, I feel helpless i feel like my happiness was stolen i feel like uh uh you know for the 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 darkest night fight it was i feel like i'm never hurt i feel helpless and i feel like i'm i'm punching her to death emotionally and i have no idea why and and so we'll stick with the 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 money mom memory because that's easier to to go through because i've been through those steps so it's easier to summarize it and get to the point so the first step again What's your earliest memory? What do you what can you remember right now from your childhood? The second step is how do you feel? 
in that? How, well, how does it make you feel right now? How do you remember feeling in that? And so with the mom memory again, it was just utter loss, utter, I'm happy. I wanted somebody to celebrate with me. And they took it away like that. And then they got ugly and pounded me with their bullshit you know, issues. And it was my mom. I'm not calling my mom bullshit, but she had issues. And her issues smacked me right then and gave me issues. See, we have to take care of ourselves. That's how you get rid of fear is you fucking look it in the face to see what it looks like. And there there was, uh, uh, Mikey, man, there was an episode not that long ago that I ended with life goes on. And if you can, if you can understand life goes on, you can absolutely overcome fear. You can overcome everything because it doesn't matter. Oh, I might die tomorrow. Yeah, you might. And you don't know what's going to happen next. Everybody has their beliefs, but nobody knows But life goes on. Oh, I might, I might lose my house. I might lose everything if I do this. Yeah, but life goes on. So you wake up the next day and you take a breath and maybe you live under a bridge. Maybe you, I'm not saying it's great. It might be a fucking miserable experience, but life goes on because you have the choice to change your path. That's why I have no fears is who gives a shit is ultimately what happens. If I go up to, and I, I, I've done this, uh, uh, if I go up to a celebrity that I admire and I'm thinking bullshit thoughts of, oh, they can, oh, we can do this. We can be friends. We can do that. But I know it, my belief is not there. My thoughts are there, but my belief is I can never pull that off. And I, again, I've done this. I've waited in line. I, I thought this music band would really connect with me and they would help me with my musical career. And I couldn't even bring myself to ask them. I wanted to, I wanted to say, hey, I'd love to take you to dinner, pick your brain. I'd I just couldn't do it. I was so scared of rejection. I was so scared of being looking stupid because I believed that I was being stupid. And in reality, I was being stupid because I wasn't doing at that point in life. I wasn't doing everything I needed to do to be a good musician. I wasn't practicing every day. I wasn't taking lessons. I wasn't trying to book gigs. I was a wannabe. But because I'm self-aware, even if I'm not consciously thinking, oh, I'm just a wannabe, whatever, and I could do better, even if I'm not consciously thinking that, I'm subconsciously thinking that, and it gave me fear. Sometimes fear will protect you, of course. So back to the, the steps. Stole my joy, got issues out of it. Okay, that's how you feel. How do you feel? I felt angry that she she was so up about money i felt angry and upset that she was taking my happiness because it wasn't about the money it was about how happy i was finding the money and the next day or the day after after i sat on it for a minute she could have easily gone hey remember you owe some money for the the library fine or it had something to do with books i can't remember if i had her buy me a book and was going to pay her back or uh what but it had something to do with books you know, there's definitely different ways she could have handled it, but I felt like my joy was stolen. And then the third step. So again, first step, what do you remember? Second step is how do you feel? Because that dictates how you act. The third step is what does that tell you about an adult right now? And I had to look my wife and I and go, oh, sorry. You weren't trying to steal my joy. You were trying to protect me and trying to, because you love me, you're trying to make sure Everything's safe, and I should, I absolutely should listen to your opinion on if something doesn't feel right. 
And I said those things to her that night, and then I didn't do them for another year or two <laughs> after that. So all growth is not instant, of course. But that's the three steps. So what does that tell you as an adult? And that's how I, that's how I work through a lot of my stuff, and that is a system you can do. And it helps if you write it down and come back to it. But, and this was in the days that VHS was still good, uh, still a big thing about how easily you could record on it. DVDs were a big thing to watch movies, but DVD burners weren't that big then. This is in the 90s. Uh, no, actually, this is in the early 2000s is when it was. And so, and the, the teacher was older, so he was a VHS kind of guy anyway. And he said, uh, uh, memories, you're, you're, the way you act, the way you define yourself is like a matrix inside of you. A lot of different effects go in, a lot of different adventures, a lot of different experiences are there. It's like a videotape. And you'd hold up a videotape so we could say, because we all understood what videotapes were. It's like a videotape. It's like for the for millennials, and I'm saying that in a positive way. It's like for my kids, YouTube. You know, it's something that you can see digitally and play over and over again. It's like that in your life and everything that happens gets checked against that tape so if it's a brand new experience you might just learn something you might go oh i've never had this before okay this is what that experience is like for me eating sushi was a brand new experience i never tried it and never been through anything like that i got to make an honest opinion about it which is i like it and you know i'm all for you taking me out to sushi sometime that'd be awesome <laughs> uh but if you've had that experience or something similar, like with me and the money and the joy being stolen, the happiness being bashed experience, when somebody does something anywhere close to that, it hits that videotape. It hits that experience because you 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 don't control this. It's just as human nature. You check that against your experiences. And so that's how I react. But once you're aware, one, Scientifically speaking, being aware of something takes away its power. There's a big, long speech about neuropaths in the brain and tests. Uh, I, I was involved in a group that had this, uh, she's slightly over college age, uh, a female. I almost called her a girl, but that felt derogative. But this female, she was working, <coughs> excuse me, she's working with Georgia Tech. And they were doing studies on the brain and they were doing studies on false memories. And so they would, you would volunteer for the study, whatever, but you wouldn't know about false memories. And they would do research on you and talk to family and friends and whatever and get real memories that happened. And then as they were, I don't know the whole process, but basically as they were discussing memories with you, they would start inserting false memories based on truth. And see, in the study was to see if, if, if somebody could be convinced that something that never happened happened. But what she was talking about in this particular speech was not the results and, and all the deep science of it. She talked a little bit about the science, but she said, here's the thing. None of you now who have heard the speech can come and do that. Because what we have 100% proven is once you're aware that there might be false memories, they don't work on you at all. Once you're aware of what we're doing, it will never work. And they've proven that over and over again with all kinds of different studies. That's amazing. So once you're aware of that memory, what is giving you fear? If, you, if you're if you fearful right now about something, if something is scaring you, uh, so it, it, going back to the election, if you're so afraid of any president, stop and go, okay, what's my earliest memory of fear? 
and then how I feel about that. What does that tell me about the adult that I am? Even if you can't answer every question in as much detail as you want, even if you can't get that release from that demon, you can be aware of it. Once you're aware of it, it changes everything, man. Once I was aware I was only voting because my parents told me it was important and I had no idea why I was fucking participating in this broken fucking system. My first vote was cast for George Bush Sr. Because my parents were Republican and they said, this is the best candidate. And so I fucking did what they said, which is how a lot of people do. My wife has a similar story. Her first vote was... I think for Bush Jr., actually. I can't remember. But because her first vote for whoever she voted for was because her mom said, this is the candidate. This is who you should support. After that, uh, I can't remember how many elections I might have participated in. But finally, as I started dealing with my life, and I needed to know why for everything I did, I started asking why about that system, the system of politics, the system of democracy in America. Freedom is great, but freedom is not free. But our politics is, is, by its own nature, power is hungry. And our politics is all about power. They're never about serving. Fuck you if you're lying to yourself. Oh, no. Okay, you might have gotten in with a kind heart to serve the people. But I guarantee goddamn to you, at some point, you crossed that line. At some point, you had to get something done, so you made a deal you didn't want to make. That's not compromise. That's crossing a line. There is compromise. Don't get me wrong. You can change and find what's best for everybody. It's a win-win. That almost never happens in politics. So it's, it's, once I started realizing that, I was like, you know what? I'm walking away. The first election I walked away was when Barack Obama was running for president the first time. And I don't remember who he ran against that year. I think it was uh, the military guy. Um, I can see his face. Uh but as I'm listening to both, I'm going, you know what? To me, there's in politics, in what we're fed through the goddamn news media, and bullshit, it is filtered. It is filtered. Everything in life has a narrative. Everything. And whoever's telling the narrative will automatically put their spin on it. Why? Because that's how we see the world. I talked to Mornet. Uh, he asked a question a few shows ago about working with IRUSA and Muslims, and I went off for ten minutes on. Come on, man, you know, da, 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 how to see the world and this and that and the other. Well, he and I had to talk about that after, and he and he said some things, and we had a little bit of a discussion. But the ultimate reality was the ultimate reality was that's how I saw the reality. That was my reality. Is how I saw it. It's how I said it. His reality is different. He sees it differently, and. Which one's right? Well, they're both right. I see it differently. I think he could do things differently. I think everybody could. I think I can do things differently. But that's how I saw that moment, and that's how I told the story. We all put our own spin on the narrative 100%. We just do. So with the fear and the politics, you have to ask yourself why. So as I watch the politics, I go, you know what? I don't really know enough about either one of them to to literally know that they will represent me. And no, fuck you with a capital F-U-C-K. And then a U because, you know, we're the internet. <laughs> oh, you have to pick. No, I don't. No, I don't. I have to breathe. That's it. There are no have-tos in this world. 
I don't have to take care of my family. I can walk away. I don't have to pay my bills. I can go to jail. Or I can live under a bridge. These are literals. There are no have tos. I don't have to obey the law. I can go to jail. I don't have to live. I can kill myself. There are no have tos. So when you goddamn grasp that concept, we can understand there are no have tos ever. Ever. Well, you have to get up. Nope. No, you don't. You can stay in bed. There will be consequences, but there are no have-tos. And when you can understand there are no have-tos, fear almost 100% goes away. When you understand life goes on, the sun comes up tomorrow. Oh, what happens when science says in a billion years or however fucking many years, the sun will burn out. And we'll, either by that point, we'll figure out how the fuck to get off this planet and go live somewhere else. We'll figure out how to artificially... Get atmosphere, shield generators, we'll do all kind of shit. Or we'll die. Oh, well. What? There are no have-tos. Life goes on until it does it. And at some point, religious people believe that God will come back. And guess what, though? That's still a version of life in their story. I think there's other religions that feel the same way. That's still a version of life. Atheists or you know, people who believe the world is just in one day. All right, it'll just end. What are you going to do? Nothing. So fucking live your life today to the best you can. Stop being scared of bullshit, man. So in the that political arena, as I watch, because I still mentally take steps and figure things out, but what it's given me is a freedom. It's taken away all the anger. It's taken away all the arguments if somebody wants to argue politics with me i'm like you're not even on my level man i i hate to say that and and i'm not necessarily can more to ask this question i think about him and i've interacted with him most in these political conversations and i think about him in this moment and he he and i had a really good conversation right after the results of the election came out in 2016 and then you know when we discuss things you know he started to see my point a little bit more he started to, to see what I saw. Not saying he's coming to my side. Not saying that I'm right, he's wrong. I'm saying that we were able to have a better discussion. Discussions are one thing. I can discuss things with people when I believe they're wrong. It doesn't matter. But arguments, if you want to argue, if you want to get upset about the election results, if you want to protest, if you want to gloat, you're not on my level. You're not even close to my level. You're so trapped in your chains of fear and self-hatred and not dealing with your own issues that you 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 can't even understand where I am. And that's 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 how I see the world. That's how I see reality. And I get it. If you want to talk, if we want to have a discussion, you can clearly say this is why I believe we'll stick to politics. This is why I believe you should vote. We'll have our discussions and maybe you'll convince me. You probably won't, but I can go, "Okay, you believe." You, it's fine. And honestly, Morton, I've had a sticking point on that issue of he says, and he said it many, many times. I, I don't know if he still believes it. He might. But he says, it doesn't matter who you vote for. You need to exercise your rights. I think that's wrong. I think that's a fear mentality. I think, not that he's afraid, but I think as a mentality, as a thought process, it generates fear. 
Because what's the what's the opposite of that? Well, if you don't vote, things will things will things will happen without your control. Yeah, yeah, they will. Because control is the cake is a lie, man. The cake is a lie. Control is a lie. It 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 just is. It just is. An influence though, change. We can't. I cannot personally in my life think of any president that has influenced a minutia of my life. Sure, some bigger things. I paid more for gas per gallon when George Bush Jr. was in office. And I think that benefited him. Mass- I even said that when he's in office. Like, he owns shit in oil fields. And right now, an oil man is in office as president, and somehow gas is $4 a gallon. And you can say, oh, it's the Iraq war. It's just, no, 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 no. Production of fuel never went down. But somehow the prices skyrocketed. And when Exxon at the time, this is uh, whenever the highest of fuel was. I don't remember the exact year. But it's when I started riding a motorcycle all the time because that's the only way I could afford to get to work from where I lived. Uh, but when Exxon <laughs> posted a profit of, I believe it was $12 billion with a B, billion dollars a profit that means everything before you hit 12 billion was paid for everything was covered all the fees were handled every person went home with a paycheck and put food on their table and then you have a profit which is extra cash that is the goddamn definition of profit all your costs are covered this is extra 12 billion dollars fuck you there's something wrong with what's going on here that actually is kind of what helped shatter me from politics. Oh, we have a president that theoretically I would have voted for, but he being in office has influenced these results. But here's the thing. He's not taking steps against it. So you know what I do? I took steps against it. I fucking stopped driving a big car. I drove a motorcycle. I My wife and I agreed, but I was the driving force on restricting her to stay home mostly because we're not spending that kind of money to go do frivolous bullshit. We had to change our lives to make it work for us. The only other president I can think of that did an overarching influence on my life was Bill Clinton. It signed in the law that says you can buy shit on Amazon now, that your digital signature is valid, and we all buy stuff offline all the time. He's the president that signed that into it. Great. Had he not signed it, what would have happened? I'd still be buying shit at my local store. Bill, uh, George Bush has gone away. Prices are, are way more reasonable. I still don't think they're as low as they could be, but they're way more reasonable. So they influenced an overarching part of my life, but my life went on. And guess what? I lived my life my way. No fear. Just tackled it. Just said, fuck you, George Bush, and your stuff. I can't get you out of office. I can't make Exxon give that money back. I can't make prices go down. So what I'm going to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to influence my own life. I almost said control. I don't know if you picked it up. But at the time, I was trying to control my life. But control is a lie. But I am going to make my choices. I'm going to follow my path. And go, oh, well, if I want to do it your way, I have to spend all this money. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit, man. I'm going to flow in this path over here. I'm going to find a motorcycle I can ride that's cheap. And I can fill up for $8 every time. And yeah, I have to do it two or three times a week. I think at that time, I was filling up. On a two-week basis, I'd fill up about five times. It was almost an EMS schedule. But the way it worked out was I'd fill up about five times in two weeks. 
So you figure over two weeks, a car fill up at that time was thirty to forty dollars. A car, not a big ass truck, not a huge gallon, you know, van or anything. My wife's van will hold fourteen, fifteen gallons. It was forty dollars to fill her up. Forty dollars plus to fill her up. And you're still burning it as fast as you'd burn it anyway. So you're getting raped right here at the gas pumps. It was horrible. But I got a motorcycle. That even in, in a week, let's say I filled up two and a half times at eight dollars each, you're talking about twenty bucks or less. Around twenty bucks for a week compared to her forty. I found a better path. And instead of being angry and railing against the government, I'm gonna vote somebody else in, instead of having that fear bring in the anger, I went, I looked you in the eye. You being the fear, at that point, being the government, being all the influential factors I could not change, said, I know who you are. I'm going to find a better way. Because what you do is not me. And controls a lie. You can't control me. Controls a lie. It's Tron, man. If you haven't seen Tron, the first one, the second one's good too. But the, the original is what I'm thinking about. They're on the light cycles. And the whole thing is to basically play Snake. You know, the game, I don't know if the Snake game was invented then or if it was influenced by that movie. But the idea of Snake is the tail gets longer and longer and you have to make the Snake keep going around the screen uh, without hitting itself. Well, that's the same with Tron, except you're fighting against somebody. And they'll try to cut you off and there's a team and there's walls. If you hit the wall, you die. You lose, but, you know, you ultimately die. And that was the idea is influence. You know, they move, you can move. You can move around them. You you have strategies. That's how I see the world now. No fear. So as I'm, as I'm coming out of that situation with George Bush Jr. and not believing in what we were doing in Iraq and not believing in, in the ridiculous amount of fuel costs that we're spending, I watched the next election cycle saying, I'm free. I'm free. And my wife agreed. She's like, there ain't nobody I want to vote for. Because the whole idea of voting is to find somebody who represents you. I have yet to find a politician who comes even close to compromising enough to represent me. Because what am I going to do? If I were to run for, I talked about this earlier, right? I actually got some votes for president. If I were president, what would I do with every negotiation, with every bill, with everything? How can this benefit everybody? How can we get the most? Yeah, okay, sometimes there will be a group that gets lesser. They get shafted if you will a little bit but what is the best result for the most people involved the greater good you go to a a negotiation with a, a south korea right hey i understand what you're doing how can i understand you better how can we find a way to get along we don't have to like each other but we have to find a way to get along is that okay if you cross this line i'll blow you out of the water maybe but there's a line as long as you stay on i'll stay on my side Look at how, is our influence positive or negative? Do the people even want our help? You know, I think about the bases we have in Germany from World War II. Do they, do they literally, legitimately even want them there now? I'm just saying, talk to people, find people. And if somebody just wants to dick you over, you play that poker hand. Because I'm a poker player, man. I understand there are winners and there are losers. I understand I want to be the winner every single time. I also understand you got to make compromise, which in this analogy would be folding to stay in the game. Now, okay, and legitimately in my mind, folding would be giving up. 
because you you give up that hand. So I don't have a good poker analogy for compromise. There's no compromise in poker. You win or lose. But there is a lot of people interaction in poker, and that's why I brought that up. So going back to my fear. So that's how I worked through a lot of it. I mean, I just it fear comes from control in my life. And understanding I had to give up the concept of control helped me give up the fucking concept of fear. And as I went along, the reason he says I'm the man without fear, there's one good story. I'm sure there's a lot of stories, but there's one good one he tells all the time, more than it. And I love it. I love they told me this. It, I really love when people share how they see me. If it's a negative thing, I'll weigh it against my life. I might get my feelings hurt, honestly, uh, truthfully. If you, you share a negative thing of how you see my life, but I will I will try to take it in and see if it's real, if it feels right, and if it does feel right, I'll change it. I, I did something the other day in my mind, innocently enough. You know, I was trying to handle an issue with Internet stuff, and I don't physically put my hands on that now. So I got into a group with the people who do and said, hey, this is what I found. I'm going to leave it here for you guys to handle. Well, I got a private message from somebody in that group saying, that came off kind of dickish. I don't work for you, and I understand you enough to say that uh, what you mean, but this could really come off harsh to, to somebody else and consider that. And at first I went, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, okay. What you're really trying to say is it could come off harsh and you know me to be better than that so i reacted for like a nanosecond and went you know what sorry you're right you're right i will make sure to phrase it better next time because in that quick little i'm going to leave it in your hands was a whole inferred concept of hey i don't do this anymore i'm i you guys are great at it i really need your help because we're all working on this together can you can you knock that out and instead of saying that i said hey i'm gonna leave it here for you he was right the guy who messaged me was absolutely right and how I phrase it and how he knew me well enough, but he didn't know if somebody else knew me well enough. That was a, a, a constructive criticism. That was, hey, you can get, you can do fine. You can get this. So I will take that. But I do love when people express how they see me, especially when I don't necessarily see me that way. I don't see my, I, I well, until he more than brought this to my awareness, I didn't see myself as fearless. I saw everybody else as fearful. And so we're at New Media Expo, and we had gone to the the podcast awards, and it, it was fun, and we'd been nominated and didn't make it, whatever. But there was a, an after party, right, that's sponsored by the conference. And so we're all there, and there's an open bar with tickets, so it's not unlimited, but it is open. And there's food and, and, and a lot of tables. And the idea of this thing is for everybody to talk to each other. You're a lot of people were nominees, but you're all podcasters for sure, because that's who's hung out. And so you're, you're supposed to be meeting people and talking to people. Well, I like the idea of going to a table, sitting down, talking to a few people. When I get up to get another drink or more food or throw my trash away to go to a different place. And so I went, the first table I went to had more it and our, our friend, uh, Ronnie Rocks and some other people, and I sat with them, and I, I was like, "Well, I know you guys. That's not for me. That's not what this is about. I, it wasn't about I need to do this. I need to overcome fear. I went I, bored is not the right word. I crave a new adventure. That's the right word. In this scenario that is set up perfectly for new adventures, many you know, M I N I many adventures. Why am I sitting here with you? I love you, man. I love you, Ronnie." But why am I sitting here with you guys? I need to go talk to some other people. 
So I, I got up, threw my trash away, maybe got another drink, went to a whole new table. Hey, can I take the seat? Yeah, sit down. And I'm just listening, and I'm putting in as I might have valid. I don't take over the conversation. I don't force myself into the conversation. I find a way to flow into it. And we're having a conversation at that table. And, hey, maybe we exchange some business cards, but we're all talking. It's cool. Nice to meet you. Hey, I get up, go do something else, and then I see a table with some other friends of mine. And I'll go sit down. And I talked to them for a little bit. Talk, you had some interesting discussions that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I'm doing that. I'm bouncing from table to table. Alcohol helps, of course. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm topping off my scotch. And the people who don't drink give me their tickets. So daddy got to drink for free all night long. It's all good. And, uh, you know, without overdoing it, uh, I it's only been once in my life I've overdone it. And I was in the safety of my own home. And my wife hates that story because she was involved in cleaning up my vomit. It was nasty. <laughs> so uh anyway i'm that's my experience right that's how I was, i'm just trying to talk to new people find new ways to get my name out there yeah it's somewhat selfish but i need to grow my show i need to make those connections so you know who i am so maybe you'll check my stuff out and tell the world about it or maybe i'll find a business that can really help me grow or a partnership that takes me in a new direction that's what i'm seeing you know so maybe selfishness overcomes fear i want this i wanted one adventure and new people is adventure. Two, I wanted new people to know my name. How do you do that? You talk to them. Three, I wanted a possible new partnership that would grow us. Us being uh, more than our own success freaks at the time. Grow us. So here's what he tells the story. And he's not as detailed as I am because it was really an expression of what he saw in me. Uh, so my detail was, I was all, these are things I did. He sat there and here's what was important to him. He, if I remember the story correctly, Morning, I'm trying to tell it the way you told it. So, guys, ladies, look up uh, New Media Expo. Look up Man Without Fear, Fearless on SuccessFreaks.com. It should have been tagged one of those ways. You can find the episode to hear him say it in his own words. But as best I can remember, he was saying he was afraid to go up and talk to new people. Right, he has some kind of fear in there about that nervousness or whatever. So he wanted to be with people he was comfortable with. And he sat down and yeah, at that table he didn't know everybody. And yeah, he's talking to new people at that table, but he stayed at that table where it was safe, where it felt safe. And what he said to me was that I believe he expressed that that he he was a little bit fearful and stayed where he was safe, but he watches me as I'm doing all this. He sees me bouncing and he's like my God, he has no fear. That was what he saw, and that's what he wanted. And I think that's probably what goes into this conversation today. He has no fear. And when he told me that, that never even crossed my mind. It never crossed my mind. I was doing something that most people didn't want to do. Most people were afraid of doing. It never crossed my mind because I told you what I was focused on. I don't know what he was focused on. I'm not in his head. I just know the story he told me. And when he told me that, he was wanting to discuss what was going through my mind and, and why I did what I did so so he could do it. Because that is something he wanted to do. He wanted to be that guy that got up. And I said, well, I was caught off guard. One, because I never even crossed my mind. I wasn't prepared. I had to think about it. And I remember telling him in the moment, because we're back in the hotel room when he told me this. And we're discussing it and talking about it. I said, well, well, I guess if you really think about it, it's a room full of people who are fearful, who are nervous, who aren't sure about putting themselves out there, who are afraid to go talk to new people. And I, I went, well, if you're not going to come to me, I got to go to you. Because I, I wanted 
people to know who I was, you know, all that other stuff. So it was almost a, a anti-reaction of where, it, oddly enough, people who were talking on a microphone who put their shows out for other people to listen to, who get nominated and even sometimes win awards, are still afraid to talk to people, right? They're afraid to, to get out there and say, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I, I, this is what I do. You know, they, 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 it, it's an interesting paradigm. And I had it too for a while. Trust me, I did. On my, my well, not my first podcast. I didn't tell anybody about that, but it was called Pulling My Pod. It was bad. Uh, I told a few people about what I believe, and it was okay. But even when I did bear crawling, and I was fairly successful getting hundreds of downloads and, and getting people to support me and show up live and all this other stuff, it, when I get an office job, I wouldn't tell anybody I do podcasting. At most, I said, well, I kind of do this thing called internet radio. I, I was afraid to put myself out. But as I, again, it all goes together. As I lost that concept of control, as I understood there are no have-tos in life, what does it fucking matter? Okay, you tell somebody, hey, I'm, I'm Charles McFarland, Rock God Podcasting. You're like, what the hell are you talking about, Rock God Podcasting? And I always go with the redneck voice when somebody disagrees with me. I don't know why. What do you mean, you're like a, and maybe there's a negative. Okay, sure, I'll move on. Sorry to bother you. No worries. There are no have-tos. I don't have to have them like me. Hell, my best friends in podcasting, which are more than mine, Brian Ibbett, Paul Klaus, Chris Wisdom. When I started saying, hey, on every show that I do, aside from EMS Underground, which is a paid show, I'm paid to do that show, and the person who owns it, asked me to not because of of their religious background and how they've built the school on certain religious principles uh, they are very not tom was super understanding and i actually gave him the options like look my branding is rock god of podcasting this is your show i do not have to do this if i were creating the show it absolutely would be i'm the rock god of podcasting but and he he took a look at it. He considered it. He goes, I, you know, let's let's probably not do that. He's very cool about it. I, absolutely, this is your show. Whatever makes it work for you. But other than that, every show I do, I, hey, I'm Charles. I'm the right guy. To call, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm the right guy to podcasting. Charles McFall, and you know, da, da, da. I do it on breaking the panel. I do it on Pokemon Go podcast. I did it on from the Helicarrier when that was still going. And when I first started doing it, it took Brian a bit off guard. Right, because it is a very bold statement. It is a very bold branding, and it is something I actually back in the bear calling days, I started. Yeah, I started saying I'm the rock god of podcasting back then. I just never owned it because I was fearful. Blah 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 blah. So as I decided to develop this show, I was like, you know what? But I am that. I mean, that's how I got my gig with Jim Brewer, of all people. When I pitched him and said, "Hey, I'm known as a rock god of podcasting in this realm." And this is what I do, and this is what I can do for you. That's when I got a response from him. When I was doing the fearful, polite, quote unquote, professional emails of, hey, Jim, I've been doing podcasting for 10 years, and this is something I can help you with. And Amy said that maybe I can help you. How can I help you be awesome? Nothing. Nothing. But when I, when I was myself, and I keyed it, I was like, you know what, Jim, this is going to be my last email to you. I believe you need help. Amy said that. Uh, I could help you. You know, you seem to indicate. Let me tell you who I am. I'm the Rock God of Podcasting, and that set the tone for the email. And I went in with that attitude and just pitched. This is who I am, and this is what I will do for you. I got a phone call an hour later, and I got hired by Jim Brewer to run his his website and help with his stuff. 
because I owned who I was. That's that that gets you past fear. And I am going to actually go back and talk about. Holy shit! I've been talking for an hour now. <laughs> I am going to go back. I've got some more stories to tell about this because I need to touch more on when I did have fear. But that's how you get past it. I cannot honestly think of anything I'm afraid of now. I've understood life will go on. We have, we being my family, my wife, my kids, we have lost our home to bankruptcy. Life went on. We're actually in a better place now. We have kids in public school, and public school is a bitch to work with. And God, it's so frustrating to deal with non-communicating assholes who think they can control every aspect of your kid. But I, I, it's frustrating, not raging, not angry, because I've understood you really have no power. I have all the power. I know how to wield it. I know how to find compromise. I know how to influence. I know when you're flat out wrong. You think you can tell my kid what they can do, but you really can't. Let's go to the law. Let's go to the, where do you think you get your power from? Because I get my power from the fact that they're my child. I get my power from the fact that I understand who I am. And I understand there are no have-tos. I understand that life goes on. Where do you get your power from? Oh, because a bunch of people just let you bully them? All right. You know, let's see how that works out for you, Poppy. (laughs) It did not work out to their benefit the first year of public school. My son came out fine. He learned some great lessons about how adults can be childish and try to bully kids even. And guess what? You don't have to put up with it. Fuck them. And he he finished fifth grade with good grades and passed a big-ass test you have to pass, uh, at least in the state of Georgia, but I think it's federal, to move on. And, you know, fuck that teacher. She thought she had power. She really had nothing. She was actually super full of fear, and I told that story somewhere else, but that's not relevant here. But, so that's me now. Honestly, Morton, nothing scares me because I can move on. Will I scream if a big-ass roach falls on me? Fuck yeah, I'll scream like a girl because, like, oh, my God, I can't even do it. I mean, it's a natural thing. I can't force it. Uh, if If... A roach hits me, man. I will scream like a girl for a second, and it cracks everybody up. It even makes me laugh. It's a gut reaction. But am I fearful of it? No. I will kill the fuck out of that motherfucker. You know, spiders, there's some some shit in Australia I do not ever want to see. It's creepy. It makes me feel weird. But can I kill it with a gun? Fuck yeah, I can. Can I burn it? Hell yeah, I can. Will I? Fuck yeah, I will. Will I go to jail to to... Take care of my family? Fuck yes, I will. Have I ever been in jail? No. Would I change my mind after going to jail? Maybe. But here's what I understand. There are consequences, and I have lines of what I will defend. You know, maybe I grew up watching too much Braveheart and and those kind of things where the heroes go down. The Alamo, where the heroes believe in what they, they do so much that they die for it. That's me. Let's go to this fear story because I, I, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, I understand you're giving me an hour of your time, and I try to respect that. So the last time I can remember having fear as I went through all this process was uh, the fights with my my wife were caused by my fear of her leaving me. I put all my self-worth at that time into her and how much she valued me. So when she was mad at me, I was destroyed. When I did something fucking stupid to hurt her, I was destroyed. And I was fearful that she would leave me because she was my lifeline for the longest time. There was a lot of things I was fearful, but the two ones I, I, I remember super clearly 
super clearly. And one, I've, I've, I've told part of both of these stories, I think, but here's the, the str- straight-up details. As you enter new adventures in your life, as you enter into new areas, you will find new places that, oh, I have issues here I didn't know. And a lot of times that will come out in fear and anger. And as my first son was born, you know, here's the thing, too, a little bit. Uh, all right, so here we're going to go into a little bit touchy territory for people. But if you rode with me this long about me cussing you out for politics and some of the other stuff I said, I think you can handle this. Because I'm not one to be graphic and salacious and, you know, we're not uh, romance novels here. But there are some things I need to talk about at this point because it affected the biggest part of our life. When we got, when my wife and I got married, she wanted to have sex all the time. And I didn't, I had never been accepted or loved or wanted ever. I've never felt that way. As I can look back, yes, I was wanted. My mom did her best. My dad did his best. They, I can tell you memories of when they showed their love for me. They showed they wanted me. They were proud of me. But there were definitely times in my teenage years and into young adult uh, when I met my wife that I did not feel desired on a deep level that i i hated myself that's the thing i had my issues i hated myself so how can you want me and she did and i i i hurt her in many ways you know calling her nympho and and pushing her away and there was a time in our relationship where she asked me flat out why is it when you want sex we can have sex but when i want sex we don't have sex and I didn't really have I, I I didn't have an answer for it. And I remember going into the bathroom and looking myself in the mirror because it's a TV thing to do. You're right. You're supposed to look yourself in the mirror for these deep, soulful moments that are bullshit. <laughs> looking at myself in the mirror did not make anything more deep or soulful because I already had the answer in my mind. And what I said to myself there was because I don't feel desirable, because I don't feel beautiful, and I use that word for myself. Because I don't feel worthy. But I didn't tell her that. I, I don't remember for later on if we ever got back to it, discuss it, whatever. For whatever reason, after my son was born, the switch flipped. I mean, I'd already been working on things in my life or whatever. But after my son was born, it was like I wanted it all the time. It's almost that, that meant, people say it's a male mentality. Maybe it is. The thing you can't have, you want. Because now there's more time demanded of her. Uh, of course, right after the birth, there's there's you know, a physical time period that, that you can't, you know, it's, you might get pregnant again. Of course you're sore, blah, 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 all that stuff, healing, but it, it switched in me for some reason that I just wanted it all the time. Maybe it was that, maybe it is a, a, a lizard brain thing of survival of, of you gave me uh offspring and, and now I value more. I, I don't know. What I do know is I still had fear and rejection issues even through that. You know, desire changed. She got tired. We've had so many fights and so many discussions on, you know, I'm afraid. Uh, still the fear of you're going to leave me. I'm afraid you're pulling away. I I was afraid of having the life I saw my, well, I perceived that my father had. of just laying back and letting things happen. The best movie to relate this to is uh, The Notebook. The Notebook where, no, 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 not The Notebook. Um, Sandra Bullock. Yaya Sisterhood, the Yaya Sisterhood, where you see Walter Matthau, I think, is the husband. And I, I don't know anybody else but Sandra Bullock in that movie. Uh, but you see, he's the father. The mother is this controlling bitch of a woman. I mean, she just had horrible, broken relationships with her daughters. And honestly, no relationship with her husband. He just 
just was along for the ride. And I was like angry at him when I saw that movie. Going, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I realized I was so fearful of having that life that I was hurting my relationship. Because there's times when you can step back and let somebody do something that you don't agree with. There's sometimes you have to understand, I can't fix your relationship with my children. You have to. Now, I took a different route for sure. There were some fights. Uh, even now, I will talk to my wife going, okay, I understand you, you're you angry. And here's why, but the words you use are bothering me. You cannot, I, I, I have a hard time standing by you when you call my son an asshole all the time. I understand he is acting like a dick right now. But he is not an asshole. He is, see, I have to take it away from the not. He is a good kid. He has some amazing moments, but he's very strong-willed. He, I'm talking about Ryland in particular. He is the heir apparent. He is very much me without the beat-down concept that the world doesn't bend to my will. The world does bend to my will. He partially gets that at five. So that's very hard to teach him, yes, Yes, there are no have, there are no have tos in this world. You're under you 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 kind of act on that, but you don't understand there are need tos. I would like to go to work. I need to work because I want to provide for my family. I don't have to. I, I, I in order to get what I want, here are the steps I need to take to get what I want. You see what I'm saying? And there and they can flow and they can change. So we have, she and I have those discussions about how she says, oh, my kids are so disgusting. Well, who'd they get it from? They get, they get it from me or you or both. And I don't think what you're calling disgusting right the second is disgusting. I really wish you would stop saying that. Stop saying that. Start saying that action grosses me out and I want you to stop doing it. Stop saying my kids are disgusting. Because she doesn't mean it all the time, but it's a message that gets embedded. And going back to fear, fear comes from messages that we don't understand. That memory I told you about with my mother stealing my joy, that was never her intention. I can real after I went through that process of figuring out the memory, the feeling, and what does it tell me as an adult, I then started finally got to the point to let go of my bullshit and start treating my parents as human beings. And we're all broken. We all have damage. We all have messages that were never intended. My mom, if she could teach me everything she intended, she would have taught me all kind of positive things all through my life. Because that's what she wanted to learn. That's what she wanted in her life. That's what she wanted for me. If I could teach my kids intentionally all the time, it would be. And I try a lot. I do a lot. We, we started having sex talks at six years old because they were seeing stuff on TV. You know? I start, instead of teaching them abstinence, I start teaching them to value themselves already. That's neither here nor there. We'll have the sex talk on, on one of the episodes. That, that's going to be a fun episode. But all parents, hopefully in a positive world, okay, best case scenario, all parents want to intentionally teach good things to their kids. But unintentional negative things definitely get taught every all the time. And that memory of stealing my joy, that was never my mother's intention. Not as a parent, not as a human being. Her intention was to try to teach this positive of paying off your debts, being responsible. She picked a horrible time to do it. And then when I started crying, she misunderstood that and thought I was crying because I was losing money. And that hit her issue of wherever, whatever message she got about money and whatever issue she has with money, that hit her issue. And so she reacted out of that. That's a human thing. So these messages are in me. 
because that's what was unintentionally taught. I didn't until I went through that three step process. I had no idea I even had that message in me. So as my son was born, I told you, you know, I wanted my wife possibly because I could never. I think possibly to compete because now attention is being split, so on and so forth. There's 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 a whole other family dynamic we can talk about as a father. What I have learned about my wife being a mother and being a wife, what I've learned about being a husband and being a father, and how you have to be everything at once. I'd love to have that show, and I need you to ask me about it to do that. Maybe Mike will write it down. We'll, we'll talk about it at some point. But the last moments I can remember actively being fearful was I felt like I was fucking up my son because I understood the concept of teaching things you never meant to teach. I understood the... The, the concept of damaging your kid, even though you would never want to, and maybe don't even realize you're doing it. And I remember one night putting him to bed, standing outside of, of, there was this little alcove outside of his room where there was my office and then his room and a bathroom and then our bedroom door, kind of like a knob on the end of the hallway. And I remember standing there crying out to a God who didn't hear me because I wasn't actually wanting to deal with anything. I was just dealing with my inner voice. And so my process was to God. But I, as I look back on my understanding of God now, I mean, sure, whatever, hear me. I wasn't actually praying for help. I wasn't, that's a whole nother show. What prayer does, how you interact with God and what it really means. It still has to be your intention. My intention was not to actually fix something. My intention was weak and broken, but it's the only thing I knew at the time. In my mind going, go God, please help me to not fuck my son up. Please help me to not teach him the horrible stuff. I know I'm fucking him up. I please, you know. That was fear, man. What is fear? The lack of knowledge. The 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 choice to look away from something because you don't understand it and you don't want to put in the effort to understand it. What I did out of that moment after this next story, I think this next story happened either right before or right after that. Hell, it might have been the same day and what caused me to, to have this internal mental breakdown of I'm fucking him up and I don't want to. There was a day I decided to take my son to Athens where my parents were and it was 30 minutes away. And I needed a diaper bag. I needed, he still had bottles. That's how he ate with formula and stuff. Of course, he needed diaper changes. And I just was a, a goofus in life. Just instead of preparing and taking action, the man I am today Jesus Christ, man, if I'm going to get in my car, I'm checking every time I walk out, check for my wallet, check for my keys, check for my phone. I, If I'm going to a gig, I mentally, in my mind, did I take anything out of my car? Let's kind of look real quick, make sure I have all my gear that I need. If we're going on, on somewhere with the family, do are we going to be close enough that we can come home and get something to eat? Do we need to plan for food? Mordant will tell you when we try to start planning the conference, I was talking about tech team and how many steps can we get knocked out of the way right now because when we get close, it's going to be putting out fires. What can we line up right now and get it done and locked away? You know, that's who I am now. But then, and that's because of then. Then I was just ignorant to life. And that is what fear is, is an intentional ignorance, whether you mean it or not. And it's intentional because you could choose to pay attention. You could choose to see the steps you need to take. So I can't remember if I grabbed a diaper bag I, I know what happened was I didn't have enough formula. I didn't have enough bottles. Something went wrong. I did not plan correctly. So I took my son to Athens. We did our thing. I realized when we got there, oh, shit, I don't have what I need to take care of my infant son. 
Now, my parents had some, of course, because they expected some of this. They had some diapers and whatnot. I didn't have a bottle for him. And we're almost home. We're, we're on the way home. Of course, he's crying. And I'm doing the irrational thing. I know, buddy. I know. We'll be home shortly, please. You know, I, I, I'm i sorry. I, well, actually, I didn't say I'm sorry then. I was like, I know, man. I will. And, he, of course, he keeps crying because he's an infant and he's hungry. And I fucked up. And he, I emphasize that loudly and angrily because that's what it was in my head. And I'm feeling it louder. I'm feeling every crash. You're, you're a fuck up, dad. You fucked me up, dad. You're a fuck up, dad. And it got worse. And I, I finally screamed at the top of my lungs in the car at him. What the fuck do you want from me? I'm sorry. I've got nothing for you. And it broke. It broke in that moment. I mean, I was crying. I screamed at him. And and I finally got past my bullshit in that moment to go, I can do better. And I think this came after it. This came after that fearful moment where I cried out. And when I say God does, God didn't hear me, I cried out to a God didn't, that didn't hear me because I wasn't calling out to whatever you might envision as a, a true God. When I cried out to a God that didn't hear me, it was my actions. It was my own hopelessness, knowing that I was still being hopeless in my own prayers, if it, if it were. Because I knew the truth in there was I had to take responsibility. The truth in there is I have to make my choices. But I didn't know how to say that. I definitely didn't know how to do that. So I, I, I took a last-ditch Hail Mary prayer, which I knew didn't work. I knew it was bullshit. It'd be like my wife going, no, it is. It's like my wife going, what do you want for your birthday? Don't, don't, don't ask me that. As it, you know, in a prayer sense, in that situation, I'm God, and, and she's praying to me. What do you, no, no, no. I want you to, to do what you want for my birthday. God wants us to do what we need to do in our lives to connect with him or her, or the universe. It's there. This this fallacy of control. Because that's what, what a lot of religion is, is control. Oh, God will... No, 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 no. God doesn't want to control. There's nothing in the Bible that says God wants to control your life. In fact, everything says he gave you freedom. He gave you choice. He gave you everything. He made you in his image, if you go by the King James. I'm just saying, that moment in the car was what I needed. That was the moment. I did. I screamed out to him. I have nothing for you. I'm so sorry. And I'm crying. And I, mean, I can see it vividly. I remember we're crossing this bridge that's not far from the house. And I got home and I made him a bottle and he was happy. He was good. And that's when I realized if I fucking take steps to be action oriented. There's no fear. Fear kept me from acting. Fear kept me in the mindset of, oh, I might fuck up my kid. Oh, my God, I want to fuck up my kid. Oh, but I won't plan to grab the diaper pack to get the bottles I need to make sure he's taken care of. Five seconds, man. A minute. It's all that would have taken to change that outcome. And when I, I, I got tired of being fearful, I got tired of, I understood. I understood in that moment inherently I understood it's on me. That's why I have no fear. Everything is on me. All of my choices. It's on me. Now you can say, oh, you should be afraid of a burning building. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take caution. If there's a lion, literally a lion outside my house, guess what? I'm going to stay inside. I'm going to watch the shit out of it. But I'm going to stay inside. I'm not going to walk up to the lion going, I have no fear and try to punch him in the mouth and get ripped 
common sense plays the core. There is a fight or flight nature. Fear will save your life. But that is not what Mordant is talking about. I know that for a fact. I know what Mordant is talking about is what I've talked about this whole time. Is the fake ass bullshit fear that we carry in our lives from our issues partially. And from then, the other part of that is from our lack of choosing otherwise. To understand this, the choice is yours. There are no have-tos in this world. No have-tos. I haven't voted in an election since Bush Jr. Not a single one. Gay marriage passed? Awesome. It is awesome. I didn't vote for it. I didn't vote at all because life will take its path. Medicinal marijuana is passing across the United States. I don't even know if they're voting on it here in Georgia. I didn't vote. It will happen or it won't happen because that part of my life is bullshit. I'm not, I can't affect any influence there. There's no influence to affect there. The true influence is here with my voice for to open up understanding in your life. There are no have tos. Life goes on. Look fear in the face going, what, what am I truly fearful of? What, what's the worst possible? And that was the other thing. That's where I'm going to end up here. What's the worst possible thing that can happen? That helped me start treating my wife like a human being because before I treated her like shit. And she got a speeding ticket. I think she got a, her second speeding ticket or something. It, it was it's something that pissed me off. And it played into that vision of, uh, you know, what I said before, the worst thought a parent could ever have is my kid makes me look bad. That That will make you act to look good and damage your child. Well, I had the same thing with my wife, you know, oh, I, I'm a professional in this County and, and you know, you got pulled. I look bad, but I realized it took me days. I was so stupid, but it took me days to go. I don't know where to thought from God gave me the thought. The universe gave me the thought, whatever. I, I, I think God and the universe are the same thing. I think we have to pick our path and everything's there and our words are important. But the thought came to me as I'm stewing over the bullshit my wife did. And I'm laughing because it wasn't bullshit. I mean, she she was whatever. I thought, well, if the, if it was reversed, what would I want her to do to me? I'd want her to understand life goes on and that we we should learn from our mistakes and make better choices. I had to go back and apologize to her. And that was the first time that ever happened. And that was hard. But I started treating her like a human being at that point. Because I finally understood life goes on. We deal with the ramifications of our choices. And we make better choices next time. Ah, Love this stuff, Morton. I love this stuff. I love it when people send in their questions. Laura DePooter sent in the one that's actually the most listened to episode I had. I'm not sure why, but I love it is uh, how did emergency medicine affect you raising your children and vice versa. It's got, it's got like 500 downloads uh, where everything else stays well under a hundred. So, you know, people like that one, you know, Laura, thank you for that question. I love last week. I don't remember who sent me the question and what it was, but I remember ending, feeling a shift and understanding something new in my life. So thank you for helping me with that and I hope that what I've shared today has helped you get past whatever it is you want to get past or understand it a little bit better or see the world differently because that's the influence that we have is to fully understand who we are to always work towards that share that vision of who we are with the world 
And by doing so, I can help you see who you are. And we'll make the world a better place. Hit me up, rgop at charlesmcfault.com to get those emails in. Really, really would love to hear from you. Rockgodapodcasting.com has the speak pipe tab right there on the side. Any device has a microphone. You can click it, leave me a message, ask your question. Facebook.com forward slash rockgodapodcasting. Twitter's at rockgodapod. I do a bunch of other shows. Check out giantsizeteamup.com for a bunch of different shows that I'm on. CharlesMcFall.com has pretty much everything that I'm involved in listed there. And I look forward to us taking this journey together in this shared experience. Okay, podcasters and YouTubers, my name is Mike Woodard, otherwise known as producer slash audio engineer for the rock god of podcasting. Look, you know you're producing amazing content, but is your audio game as tight as it needs to be? If you need to level up the overall sound of your show, I'm your guy. If you need a kick-ass intro for your show, I'm your guy. If you hate the sound of your own voice and just need someone to handle your voiceover narration, I'm your guy. Need music beds? Need sound effects? Just go to mikeatthemike.com. Check out my demos and take a look at my rates. You can sound better than you do, and I can help. Mikeatthemike.com.